Hey, I'm Kate Otten, tight end at the University of Washington, and you're listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. This is the 149th episode of the show itself. We continue to chug along here following the uh, Jason Babin interview in episode 148. So if you have not seen that or listened to it, please go back and check that out. We speak with the former Seahawk defensive and and well-seasoned NFL veteran. With that being said, talking about the NFL, we'll get right into our Seahawks news here as it was an incredibly busy week. So we just want to get right into things. Um, in the team notes department for the Seahawks, we have our draft update. So the NFL draft took place over the 28th through 30th of the month. Um, in the first round, uh, at pick number nine, Seattle selected offensive tackle Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Cross was a first-team all-conference player in 2021. He's projected to become a good long-term starter at either tackle position. But with that being said, general manager John Schneider said that he will start at left tackle. In the second round, in the 40th overall pick, the Seahawks selected outside linebacker Boye Mafe a outside linebacker, edge rusher from Minnesota, third team all-conference in 2021, has the traits and toughness needed in order to develop into an above-average starter as a 4-3 defensive end. Now, you'll see that 4-3 defensive end sort of label pop up a couple times in these picks uh, in the evaluations, the draft profiles for these picks. Now, it's interesting to look at that considering it seems like Seattle is switching to a 3-4 defense this season. So that will be certainly something to look at, something that I'm I'm curious about um, as we as we look at the sort of evolution, I guess, is the change of the Seahawks defense uh, at pick number 41, staying in the second round, following immediately that Boye Mafe pick Seattle selected running back Kenneth Walker, the third out of Michigan State a first-team All-American and the top running back of the year in 2021, winning the Doak Walker Award. Um, he, he's uh, somebody that can handle the running back one workload but may need some work as a third-down option in terms of his pass catching. Really interested here with this pick because I'm, you know, as we talked about it on the Circling on Seattle Sports on Converge episode, um, I'm wondering how much of this pick is Seattle trying to get some more security once again in the running back room, considering the injuries to Chris Carson, considering the injury history of Rashad Penny and saying, Hey, we need somebody that's going to be healthy. We need somebody young um, that's fresh. And I'm, I'm wondering how much that factors into it. We haven't really heard much about Chris Carson as of late um, in the last few months, at least. So I'm wondering how much of that factors in there. Um I mean, you know, like I said, top running back in the class, but obviously not exactly thrilled to have taken a running back at that in the second round there. Maybe could have held off to the third round. I'm not entirely sure, but we'll certainly have to see how that goes uh, with Walker. Heading over to the third round here with the 72nd overall, 72nd, yeah, overall pick. Seattle selective offensive tackle Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Lucas is actually an Everett native. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 selection in 2021 and is sort of scheme-limited, but has the eventual uh, potential for uh, being a starter. Now, I'm interested here to see with Lucas, because obviously if you've got Cross at the left tackle position, it more than likely seems as if uh, Lucas could be looked at at the right tackle position or the guard position. I think that guard spot is unlikely considering that you have Gabe Jackson and uh, Damian Lewis. Uh, I know that a lot of draft profiles saw Lucas potentially moving inside, but I doubt that now. Uh, it just makes for an interesting case. I wonder how much of a competition there will be at the right tackle spot between Lucas himself and uh, Jake Curhan, who got a lot of burn at that spot last season. Um, heading into the fourth round at the 109th overall pick, Seattle selected cornerback Kobe Bryant, spelled C-O-B-Y, not uh, as Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, would spell it. He's a cornerback out of Cincinnati, winner of the Jim Thorpe Award as the nation's top defensive back. Uh, and, you know, top nation's top defensive back playing alongside Sauce Gardner, Osars Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, considered the number one corner in the draft uh, by a lot of people. Um, so interesting, a uh, little note there. Uh, but Bryant was a second team All-American, was and it's projected to become a cornerback number two or cornerback number three. 
he might be my favorite pick in the draft just because, you know, this is a guy that fell to the fourth round, won the Jim Thorpe award, uh, and played along another great cornerback at Cincinnati. Um, so really interested to see how he sort of develops in that cornerback room, you know, with Trey Brown, uh, Sidney Jones, Artie Burns, um, a lot going on in that cornerback room, Justin Coleman, you know, really interested to see how that group of guys comes out and performs after, you know, really a, a tough year last year, last few years, actually, um, the defensive passing game for Seattle in the fifth round selected, um, Cornerback Tariq Woolen and with the 153rd pick out of University of Texas, San Antonio. He was an honorable mention all-conference player in 2021, has rare measurables and potential to play all over the field, but is really viewed as a raw prospect and somebody that really is a Pete Carroll kind of guy, is the kind of body type that they like at the defensive back position, really somebody that they may like to mold. So really interested with that, Mullen, simply because of the measurables fact, really interested to see what sort of potential that Woolen has um, if he can be properly molded into that sort of player that Seattle may want him to. Staying in the fifth round um, at the 158th selection, Seattle took defensive end Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State. Smith was a second team all-conference player in 2021 who flashed the ability to become a rotational defensive end. So again, that could be, not again, sorry, could be a pick there to really solidify some depth at the pass rush position. I know that a lot of people have been clamoring for pass rush and even clamored for pass rush um, in the draft, even at the number nine overall uh, pick. But outside of the um, top few guys, it really did not seem like there were a lot of pass rushers that stuck out. So I'm okay with going with Cross at that number on overall pick and intrigued by Tyreek Smith because following the pick, I believe the Seattle Brass said, this is a guy that we have, the kind of an athlete that we haven't seen before. So I'm really interested to see what sort of potential Smith has with that regard. Uh, heading over to the seventh round is Seattle did not have a pick in the sixth round. At the 229th pick, Seattle selected wide receiver Bo Melton out of Rutgers. Rutgers, um, Melton was Rutgers' top pass catcher in 2021 and is viewed as a depth wide receiver, could push for the wide receiver five spot. Um, yeah, it, it's tough because him and then the 233rd pick Seattle had selecting wide receiver Derek Young out of Lenore Ryan University. Uh, Young, a All-South Atlantic Conference Honors player in 2021, is also viewed as a raw prospect. Um, I don't know. It seems like Seattle may be looking to get a sort of third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver to complement, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But I wonder what that says to the ability of Freddie Swain and even um, D. Eskridge last year, you know, so... That is something interested to see. I mean, considering that these are seventh round picks, I don't consider them to be that much of a threat to the Eskridge job, but we will certainly have to see. And, you know, if I'm even having that conversation, it shines poorly on the Eskridge. Um, so heading over here after the draft picks, we have the undrafted free agents list, including quarterback Levi Lewis, guard Shamarius Gilmore, wide receiver John Mitchell, defensive end Josh Onajiogu, um, defensive tackle Matthew Godel, safeties Bubba Bolden and Joey Blunt, also including safety Deontay Williams. Uh, so interesting there to see the quarterback. Um, and it's also interesting with the undrafted players to see maybe which one of these guys may make the roster because, you know, obviously being drafted is a whole big spectacle. And, you know, some people hold that draft positioning with a lot of stock. Um, but there have been historic undrafted free agent players who have been hall of famers. So interested to see if any of those guys can crack the team. And then for the rookie, rookie mini camp tryout invitees who are not reported as undrafted free agent signings, including quarterback Caleb Ellaby running back sincere McCormick safety, Tyree Stedman cornerback, Elijah Jones and UW Husky punter and Seattle Cir circling Seattle sports alum race Porter. Uh, so best of luck to all of those guys, you know, these are tryouts. So this is, you know, they're already stacked. The cards are stacked against them. So a best of luck to those guys as they continue their journey. And as they get into these mini camps heading into the, well, you know, before we continue with the team news, looking at the overall draft, I would, I would give it a positive note, you know, obviously looking on paper, 
these can be solid, but, you know, paper and the actual product on the field are such a different thing. Um, and so I don't really like labeling these draft classes right away because you have to really let these guys play out and give them, I'd say three to four years before you can truly evaluate these kinds of things. So I guess initially, if I'm going to have to be pressed to make a, a, a grade on it, I would say I would give it a B, a B, maybe halfway between B and B, uh, B plus. I think that this is a solid group. You addressed a decent amount of needs, you know, offensive tackle, got some guys um, for the defensive side of the ball. Not sure about the Walker pick, um, but overall I, I can't complain too much about this year's class, especially following last year's class where there were only three players selected. So with that being said, we continue to May 1st, the team declined the fifth year option for defensive end LJ Collier. The option would have been worth $11.5 million. So obviously Collier struggled with Seattle in his time here really, you know, for a team that's been depleted of pass rush really has not been able to crack, uh, crack through and break through. And that's, that's saying something for a team that, as I said, has been desperate for pass rush. Um, Obviously that factors into it, but also they don't want to pay a guy like that 11.5 million, let alone a guy that maybe they don't see in that regard. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then also on the first, the team was reportedly happy with their quarterback situation. Pete Carroll said that we're really happy with the guys that we've got to see them battle and we'll see what happens. So again, you know, as we said in the circling Seattle sports on converge episode today, it really seems like, and it seemed like over the course of the draft that Seattle is happy with their quarterback situation with Drew Locke, Geno Smith and Jacob Beeson in the quarterback room to battle it out. And I think at this point, they're just putting pieces around those three guys to really be able to succeed the best they can um, and just see which one of them may take them where they want to go. So we'll see how that plays out ultimately, but I'm, I'm not fully convinced. Um, on May 2nd, DK believes that he will stay in Seattle. The Seahawks wideout spoke on Shannon Sharp's podcast, uh, being confident, confident, confident about agreeing to a new deal stating we're going to get something done. So obviously a vote of confidence there from DK and that's encouraging for Seattle fans. But, you know, after the Russell Wilson trade and the Bobby Wagner cut, I, I seem to have trust issues. So, as we head over to league news here on the 26th of April, running back Melvin Gordon re-signed with the Denver Broncos on a one-year deal up to $5 million. On the 27th, Arizona Cardinals picked up Kyler Murray's fifth-year option, who is now under contract through 2023. On the 28th, the Titans traded wide receiver A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. Brown was reportedly shocked by the trade, letting fans know that he wanted to stay and that contract talks may have been closer than they appeared. On the 2nd of May, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for the first six games of the 2022-2023 season for violating the NFL's PED policy. So a big, (laughs) you talk about the league news, there's potentially big news um, there for the Cardinals getting uh, Kyler Murray there to uh, get that fifth year option and then losing DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the years could be uh, pretty crucial depending on how tight the NFC West race is there. So with that being said, it seems like the next thing that is up for our Seattle Seahawks is rookie minicamp. As we head over to our Seattle Mariners here over the past week, headed down to Florida for a road trip um, with the first two series starting in Tampa Bay and Miami on the 26th at the Tampa Bay Rays, an eight to four win player of the game, second baseman, Adam Frazier going one for three with one run, three RBIs and a walk on the 27th at the Rays, a two to three loss. Play of the game shortstop J.P. Crawford going one for four with one run and one RBI. On the 28th at the Rays to close out the series, a one to two loss. So losing the series there. Play of the game designated hitter Eugenio Suarez going one for four with one RBI. After that series loss to the Rays, traveling down to Miami to play the Marlins. Uh, April 30th at the Marlins uh, down in Miami for the first time, I think, since 2018. Uh, losing that one, the series opener one to three, player of the game, right fielder Dylan Moore going one for one with one run and our, our, one RBI and a walk on the 1st of May at the Marlins. Oh, wait, my apologies. Let's go back. So my apologies. On the 29th of April at the Marlins to open the series, a 6-8 loss. Player of the game, right fielder Jared Kelnick, going one for three with two runs, an RBI, and a walk. 
Then on the 30th at the Marlins, a 1-3 loss. Played the game Dylan Moore, as I mentioned. May 1st at the Marlins to close out the series and salvage that one to avoid getting swept once again. Um, a 7-3 win. Played the game number one. Center fielder Julio Rodriguez going 3-4 for four with a run and three RBIs. Julio hitting his first MLB homer, launching a 450-foot missile. On the play of the game, number two, starting pitcher Logan Gilbert going 5.2 innings, allowing only three hits, one run, one earned run, four walks, and five strikeouts. His .64 ERA is the lowest by a Mariners pitcher through his first five starts in franchise history. So before we get to the May 2nd game, I want to just look at that. Um, Sorry, I can't really catch my breath today. Um. I wanted to take a look at that and really analyze that because if you wanted to see a game that really showcased the future of this franchise, or at least part of the future of this franchise, you know, you've got Julio Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert, both stepping up there in big ways. And, you know, Julio still only 21, still continuing to figure things out. Logan Gilbert, again, one year um, coming off his first year, uh, pardon me, reset that coming off of his first year, in major league baseball where he showed, showed some promise there and just really needed to work on some off speed and has really started to do that really, you know, I think the only nitpicking I could do is that is the, is the walks so far. Um, but I mean, since that, you know, being the second guy in the rotation right after Robbie Ray, it's, it's, it's pretty solid. And Logan's been pretty damn solid uh, to begin the year so far. May 2nd at the Houston Astros to begin a three-game road series before the homestand, before the Mariners come back, that is, a three, a 0-3 to three loss. And so you know how I am. If there's a shutout, you're not getting a player of the game. So, um, so far, I'd say a pretty disappointing road trip. I mean, it's just kind of been a on-and-off offense and, you know, I'd say the back of the rotation hasn't helped you much in terms of, uh, uh, well, I'd say in terms of Marco Gonzalez, a little bit of Chris Flexen, not all of it, and um, Matt Brash. And I give a little bit of a, a little bit of slack to Matt Brash, considering that he, you know, skipped AAA um, and is still relatively young. You know, he's got a lot of good stuff. He just is really young and still has, I think, some things to figure out. Um, but certainly, obviously, there's some room um, for growth there. Um, and just, I think, you know, you look at this team's struggles so far. Um, you know, the offense has been really inconsistent. Like today's loss at the Astros, a 0-3 to three loss. That kind of stuff can happen, you know, against a pitcher like Odorizzi, who you lit up back at home at T-Mobile Park, and then you've just, you know, have not maybe necessarily adjusted and you get shut out, you know, by the Astros on the road. Um, like I said, if you want to be a club that makes the playoffs this season, you're going to need to win series and especially against the top clubs in your division. And you're off to a bad start when it comes to the second go around with Houston right now. So hopefully that sort of thing can be fixed. Um Heading over to player of the week, I went with Logan Gilbert. I mean, you look at Logan's, you know, season so far, it's been incredible. But over the past week, um, started in two games, uh, recording two wins, pitching 11.1 total innings, allowing only five hits, one earned run on a one home run, uh, seven walks. So, again, that's the one area of focus that I would work on. Um, 12 strikeouts, 9.5 strikeouts per nine innings and a 0.79 ERA over those two starts. So, um, I don't know. I was excited for Logan last year and he has continued to impress. So really excited to see that continue to grow and see Logan really continue to develop, um, into the starter that he's becoming. Heading over to injury news, again, the part that's never fun. On the 27th, starting pitcher Marco Gonzalez left the game versus the Marlins with a left wrist contusion. Um, now, this was interesting because he got hit with a line drive, I think, in like the second inning. Um, Seattle was forced to dip into the bullpen. There was some worry about how long Marco would be out. And then he started today on the second, did not miss his start, really didn't look too bad. I mean, he was able to really get through the game, avoiding most of the damage, I think, until he gave up a two-run homer. Um, 
you know, th- so I think three earned runs, but really cons- all things considered wasn't the worst thing in the world. So, I mean, just glad that it wasn't worse, but really, you know, with Marco hoping that he can really turn things around into the form that he showed in the second half of the season. Um, and then on the 29th, pretty fresh coming off of his um, reinstatement from the injured list on the 29th of April, excuse me, outfielder Mitch Hanniger left the game versus the Marlins with a right high ankle sprain. It was deemed a grade two ankle sprain, which uh, is caused for partial ligament damage. So we will continue to monitor that. I believe that Mitch is on the 10 day IL uh, and said that he's going to be out for a little while. As we head over to uh, team notes here on the 25th, the team reinstated catcher Luis to rent from the injured list, optioning infielder Mike Ford to AAA Tacoma as a corresponding move. So Ford was uh, optioned to Tacoma post game on the 24th of the month, and then he was designated for assignment on the 25th of the month. On the 26th, manager Scott Service returned to the dugout, getting back to his managerial duties. Also on the 26th, infielder Kevin Padlow was traded to the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations. Um, On the 27th, right-handed pitcher Paul Seawald is reinstated from the injured list, while right-handed pitcher Ben Murphy returned to AAA Tacoma. On the 28th, Murphy came back as he was selected from AAA Tacoma. Uh, Wyatt Mills was also recalled from AAA Tacoma. A right-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher Johan Ramirez and catcher Cal Raleigh were optioned to Triple A Tacoma. Evan White, an infielder, was transferred to the 60-day IL, so not looking good for Evan White there. On the 29th, Mitch Hanniger um, was activated off the injured list. Um, Matt Koch, a, right, a relief pitcher, was designated for assignment. On the 30th, Stort Fairchild, an outfielder, was recalled from Triple A Tacoma and Mitch Hanniger on the 30th, this is the 30th, pardon me, uh, was placed on the 10-day IL with that grade two right ankle sprain. So you see there's a difference of one day there from Mitch coming back from COVID IL and then being placed on the 10-day IL. Uh, and then also in the 29th infielder, Mike Ford was traded to the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations. So both Padlow and Ford, after being designated for assignment, were traded to the San Francisco Giants um, for cash considerations on the 25th, Ty France was named the American league co-player of the week. I think we already went over that last week. And then May 2nd, the team sent relief pitcher, justice Sheffield and infielder Donovan Walton to triple Tacoma as the league cut roster sizes down from, I believe 28 down to 26. And uh, also on the second starting pitcher, Logan Gilbert was named the American league pitcher of the month, recording a 0.4 ERA in April, which was the lowest single month ERA in Mariners history since Mark Langston's 0.5 ERA back in 1988. So some history there for Logan Gilbert so far. Uh, again, his, his start to the season continues to be great. Um, in terms of league notes, on the 29th, the first no-hitter in the MLB this season was thrown. A combined no-hitter by five Mets pitchers, including former Mariner, Mariner Edwin Diaz, Uh, Against the Philadelphia Phillies marks the first no-no of the season. It is the second combined uh, no-hitter in franchise history for the New York Mets. Um, And there have been more combined no-hitters than solo no-hitters in MLB history. Just a little note there. Also on the 29th, starting pitcher Trevor Bauer was given a two-year suspension by Major League Baseball. The Dodgers pitcher was suspended 324 games uh, this time around for violating Major League Baseball's domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy, and he will appeal the decision. On the 30th, Whitmore makes history. Kelsey Whitmore started for the Staten Island Ferryhawks on Sunday, becoming the first woman to play in the Atlantic League. So congratulations to Kelsey there. Looking at our Mariners in the upcoming section, they sit at a 12 and ooh, now a 12 and 11 record. And I don't know what they sit at right now in the AL West. Let's take a look at that. Um, oops. Let's see. Let me get this right. I don't want to, because, you know, earlier today, it was second AL West before they lost to Houston. Okay, they still sit at second. All right. 
So still at second in the AL West. Looking ahead, they play the rest of their series against Houston, May 3rd at the Astros at 5-10 as a second game, and that May 4th at the Astros to close out the series with an 11-10 a.m. first pitch, May 8th through May 5th through 8th against the Rays at home. So they come back to play the Rays starting on May 5th versus the Rays at 640. May 6th, May 5th at the Rays at 640. May 6th at the Rays also at 640. May 7th at the Rays versus the Rays at 610. And May 8th versus the Rays, a 110 start. Heading over to our Seattle Storm here, who finished up their preseason on April 28th at the Phoenix Mercury, uh, winning that game 82 to 78. Player of the game, Avina Westbrook, with 15 points, two assists, and four rebounds, including the game ceiling layup and block. So Westbrook, the UConn grad, uh, really putting her fingerprints all over that game, uh, obviously, especially the ending, and really making a case for herself to make this year's roster. Uh, in team-related notes, on the 26th, we started to see the beginning of the roster cutdown. Um, I have to add something here. Um, on the 26th of the month, the team waived forward Lauren Manis. On the 29th, ESPN ranked three Storm players in the top 25 players in the WNBA. Number one overall was Brianna Stewart. Number six, Jewel Lloyd. And number 16, Sue Bird. So, I mean, those are cool. But, you know, the main for sort of focus this week for team notes is the overbearing fact that the roster is being cut down and that this league really should see expansion um on the 30th the team waived forward jenna giacone and guard paisley harding on may 2nd the team side forward rashawn the grade to a training camp contract now uh, this move was puzzling to me before the other move that took place happened which was like 30 minutes after uh we had the storm segment of circling salesforce on converge you know taking place right in the middle of like kraken the kraken segment um I was running about Gray, wondering about this signing because this roster is already being cut down. So why would you bring somebody in, especially somebody that really has been like a journey woman, you know, hasn't really played on a roster for two seasons, a sing- the same roster for two seasons, um, and hasn't started a game since the 2019 season. Um, and it was maybe because the team waived guard Reina Perez and center Alyssa Cunane on the same day of the second. Now, I was more... I mean, it kind of made sense to me with Perez uh, being cut, you know, because the guard position was already, the, the the guards were already pretty filled out on this roster at the moment. Um, but Cunane, I was really curious about Cunane, especially considering the injury to Mercedes Russell currently. Um, and, you know, how that's kind of a position where it's, it's kind of a free-for-all almost, not necessarily. I mean, you've got Mercedes Russell, Ezzy Magbagor, um, kind of hanging around there and you know with with Russell out I would kind of think that you've got room for Cunane especially as through the fact that she was considered a steal at the number 17th uh number 17 overall pick in this year's draft but uh doesn't didn't seem to matter really as she was she was waived today so really again sucks that this league has to do this and I wish that there were more roster spots for the teams that we already had let alone expansion um so the storm record for preseason sits at two and zero. They go perfect in the two preseason games that they play. Looking ahead, uh, May six versus the Minnesota Lynx is the season opener as well as the home opener, uh, with a seven o'clock tip off at Climate Pledge Arena. And then May eighth, the team travels to the Las Vegas Aces to play their first road game of the year, um, with a seven o'clock tip off as well. Um, should be exciting. I mean, this is again obviously Sue Bird's last season. Uh, she guns for a title here and really wondering, you know, how this roster shapes out, what Seattle, you know, um, did good, what Seattle may, who Seattle may have missed out on in free agency and maybe even the draft. So uh, it's, it's a really crucial season, you know, with all the weight of it being Sue Bird's last year, this is going to be a really big deal. So we'll see how things go in that regard. So continuing over to our Seattle Sounders here over the past week on the 27th of the month, Traveled down to Mexico City to play leg one of the CONCACAF Champions League final against Pumas, uh, drawing in 2-2. Two to two. Play of the game midfielder Nico Ladero with a 9.1 rating, two goals, four total shots, one key pass, and an 80% passing accuracy. As I mentioned, leg one of that 
that was big. Seattle was down two goals to nothing as they headed later and later into that match. Seattle was able to draw two penalties at different points in the match. That second one being in the 96th minute, my apologies, ultimately coming out with the draw. It was, it was, you know, we're going to, we're going to go with the uh, expletive uh, rating on this episode. Now that was fucking huge for them to draw that up and head back to Seattle with essentially a clean slate. Uh, it was funny. The Kraken game on the 27th, we think, goes against the LA, LA Kings at home. And this match, the Sounders match, were ending around the same time. And I was waiting for the elevator to go down to the post-game press conferences for the Kraken game. And I hear this gentleman. I was I was watching the end, uh, and I had just seen Nico Ladero put home that penalty. And this older gentleman was talking to someone else, and he goes, the Sounders just lost. I go, no, they didn't. He goes, yeah, they did. It was two to one. I said, no, no, you fucking idiot. No, they didn't. I didn't say that part, but it was, it was stunning. And it was kind of funny to hear the, the other media kind of talk about this match um, upcoming one too. This is, this is gigantic. I mean, again, I can't really understate it. It's the biggest uh, stage that an MLS team can play on. I believe Um, the biggest trophy that they can win from what I understand fully. Um, no MLS team has won CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, you know, it, this is this is big for the Sounders to be able to do this and for them to really set themselves up well uh, for their second leg is really big. Uh, you know, any any win in any situation at home in the second leg, you've, you've, got, a, you've got that trophy. You win. It's over. Um, so that's really big and that's really exciting. So not no real team notes, no real league notes. Uh, injury news on the 25th, Leo Chu began training again, but that's, you know, that's really not that big of a deal. Um, just hoping that Leo is able to get back sooner rather than later. Um, so ignoring the MLS record, ignoring their current standing, looking ahead, the big second match, um, the big second leg is May 4th versus Pumas, uh, at seven o'clock. That is the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final. The year is less there's less than um uh a thousand tickets available and that was this morning so i imagine that number continues to go down um so that that's gigantic i'm really that'll be a lot of fun we'll be on hand for that um yeah i'm that'll be a lot of fun i'm really excited for wednesday i hope we can just get that sooner rather than later and then on the seventh of the month, uh, the team travels down to Dallas to play FC Dallas with a five thirty p.m. start time. So, um, regardless of what the outcome is to that second leg on the fourth, I imagine that the Sounders will put out a much more depth-heavy roster um, on the seventh down in Dallas. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the fourth will be a lot of fun. That is, as as Marshawn said, it's a big fucking deal, which it is. Heading over to our sale of Kraken here, who wrapped up their inaugural season with four games over the past week on April 26th at the Vancouver Canucks, a two to five loss play of the game forward Morgan Geeky scoring one goal, recording one point with four shots on goal and a hit April 27th versus the LA Kings, a three to five loss play of the game forward Ryan Donato with one goal, one assist, two points, two shots on goal, one hit and one block. On the 29th versus the San Jose Sharks, a three to nothing win on the final home game of the season, uh, fan appreciation night, a really special night overall, a night that uh, Ford and alternate captain Yanni Gorge said that Seattle needed to come out and really essentially give back to the fans. They were able to do so. Play the game goaltender Chris Drieger going 21 for 21 uh, saves wise on even strength, um, three for three on power plays and a 1.000 save percentage. And we'll get more to that April 29th, the game uh, in team related news. On the 1st of May at the Winnipeg Jets, the final game of the Kraken's inaugural season, a 3-4 to four loss. Player of the game board, Alex Wenberg. Wenberg with one goal, one assist, two points, and two shots on goal. So no injury news as we scoot on over to team news here because, you know, there's not too much to say about the um, past week. I mean, Seattle was playing essentially just for pride and, um, also their losses factored into getting a better lottery pick. So, you know, not too upset about losing three of the last four. Um, but the 29th game was, was special and really fun, but look at the team news over here. Uh, roster moves on the 25th. The team recalled defenseman Dennis Chalowski and goaltender Joey Decord from the Charlotte, Charlotte, 
Charlotte Checkers, and that's why Decord got that start on the, I believe it was the 26th, yes, uh, April 28th at uh, the team reassigned defenseman Kale Flurry and goaltender Joey Decord to AHL Charlotte Checkers on the 29th. Team awards were given out, so this is what happened uh, post-game um, following that shutout win over the Sharks. Uh, the Pete Muldoon was awarded. This is the Kraken's MVP award as voted on by the Seattle area media. That is me. Uh, the Pete Muldoon award in its inaugural season was awarded to Jared McCann. McCann had a career year scoring 27 total goals. And in addition to that, was able to sign a five-year, $25 million extension with Seattle, becoming the first player to re-sign with the franchise. The three stars of the year award, an award honored via calculation of which Kraken player earned the most three-star uh, honors after each home game was awarded to goaltender Philip Grubauer, the Guile Fielder Award and uh, the Guile Fielder Award given to the well, well, the Guile Fielder Award was established to identify the season's player uh, who best exemplified perseverance, hustle and dedication named after Guile Fielder himself. Uh, was given to alternate captain Yanni Gord and the fan favorite award determined by a fan vote was given to uh, Yanni Gord as well. Gord, I mean, both of those awards make sense to go to Yanni. Uh, if you watch any cracking game, really, where he played in it, uh, Yanni's all over the ice, um, just really a pain in the ass, you know, for the other team. Uh, a guy that I think uh, Matty Beniers really takes after uh, in a lot of ways in that regard. Um, and really, I think Gord, a guy who should be wearing the captaincy next year, but we'll see about that. And then uh, the Kraken Ironman. This wasn't an award that was given out, but it's something that I noticed. Uh, Ironman, uh, the only Kraken player to play in every single game in the inaugural season for Seattle was defenseman Adam Larson. Uh, continuing with team notes on May 2nd, the team reassigned defenseman Dennis Chalowski to AHL Charlotte. So just to speak on those team notes, it was a really special night on the 29th. Obviously, fan appreciation. Um, a good amount of the arena had uh, reusable bags placed on their seats that were made out of billboards of Climate Pledge Arena. Um, what else? Um, after the game, they had a jersey off at their backs, a little thing where they picked a bunch of uh, fans um, that uh, for every uh, player that had suited up for the night and even some of the guys that were there that were injured, um, each player uh, person got a jersey right off of the player's back that was signed. They got to have a cool little moment. They had an all-team salmon toss where the entire uh, team uh, tossed the salmons from the, the three stars of the night out um, to the fans, um, which is funny because essentially what I was told was that the team had bought a ton, hoping that the team would be better than they were. And so, you know, they started to get towards the end of the year and had excess. So they decided they were just going to start tossing them uh, with that team toss there. So that was pretty cool. Um, trying to remember what else they did that night. It was overall just a really cool night. Um, and I'm hoping that that whole sort of thing, that end of the year is something that they continue to do, um, as a tradition. I hope that becomes like an annual thing. So we continue over to league related news. Um, April 28th, the Florida Panthers were the team that would be able to clinch the president's trophy. The president's trophy is given to the team that wins the most games in the regular season is essentially a regular season accomplishment award, um, Florida secures the honor for the first time in franchise history following their 58th win of the season, coupled with the avalanche loss. On the 30th, the Red Wings fired their head coach. The Detroit uh, NHL team parted ways with Je Jeff Blashill um, after seven seasons, uh, recording only one playoff appearance. And again, I, I say this on the Circling Seattle Sports on Converge episode. I don't know about you, but one in seven is not good math. Um, so interesting there over in Detroit. So the Kraken finish out their season with a 29, a 27 win, 49 loss, six overtime loss record resulting in 20, I mean, 60 points. They sit at eighth in the Pacific division. I believe they're in line for the third best odds in the draft lottery. Um, and looking ahead next week for you, we will have a Kraken season in review. Um, as we look over here to our OL range, Heading over to our Royal Reign here, who played their uh, in not, not inaugural, a regular season opener uh, against the Washington Spirit down in Washington on the first, losing that match one to two. 
player of the game goalkeeper Valentilis Joyce with eight point an eight point two rating, ten saves and seven diving saves. So Joyce really kept the rain in the game as best she could there. Uh, the rain really, I mean, they got off on the wrong foot. Um, the rain had a penalty kick early on. Rose Lavelle took it and it was saved and it just was kind of downhill for them. Rose did end up scoring later in the match, but overall, uh, this is a match that either should have ended up in a draw. Um, yeah, should have ended up in a draw. So just kind of frustrating, but it, it's it kind of looms um, less important than the match on the fourth, but we'll get to that. In terms of injury news on the first, uh, three players were out for the season opener, two of them in COVID protocol, those two, Zani Kajan and Olivia Vanderyat, and then Megan Rapino was out with a right calf injury as she continues to rehab that injury and continues to really take things at her own pace. In team-related news on the 28th, Multicare partnered with the team to be the back of the jersey sponsor. The rain announced that Multicare, a not-for-profit healthcare organization that has been caring for communities in Washington State since the founding of Tacoma's first hospital back in 1882, has become the team's top back kit partner, marking their continued commitment to the club. As the team's new kit partner, the Multicare logo will occupy the top back of the Reigns official jerseys, including all jerseys available to concern, uh, consumers from Ola Reigns online shop and at Lumen Field. In recent years, the Rain and Multicare have come together to work on initiatives to promote the well-being of Rain fans and the surrounding communities. In 2021, the Rain and Multicare teamed up to offer free COVID vaccines for anyone 18 and older at Rain matches. Rain also honored five multi-care healthcare workers through this effort as the Rain legends before the May 31st match against the Washington Spirit. Um, looking over to league-related news, some, some darker stuff here. Um, on the 26th of the month, um, oops, one second here. On the 26th of the month, the Houston Dash suspended head coach and general manager James Clarkson amid harassment uh, investigation. The organization will review current and historic complaints of discrimination, harassment, and abuse. The club received initial findings from a joint investigation uh, by the NWSL and NWSL Players Association that had begun last year. On the 27th, Carly Lloyd rejoined the New Jersey slash New York Gotham FC as a minority owner six months after retiring from the sport. On April 29th, ex-U.S. Women's National Team player, as well as uh, Washington Husky alum, Pope Solo entered inpatient alcohol training uh, treatment, pardon me, uh, requesting that her Hall of Fame induction gets pushed back from this year to the 2023 uh, ceremony. So with that all being said, the rain record sits at zero wins, zero draws, and one loss on this NWSL regular season, sitting at sixth in the NWSL table, looking ahead, two important matches for the rain put, well, the it could be two it could be just one looking ahead may 4th at the washington spirit uh the challenge cup semifinal that game will happen it's a five o'clock start if the rain lose they play their uh, home opener for the regular season may 8th versus racing louisville back at lumen field with a three o'clock start if they beat the spirit on the fourth then they go on to the challenge cup final which they will host on may 11th meaning that the uh, may 8th match will be postponed to a later date. So that will be something to follow as well. I don't know, really interesting. I mean, Washington has really had the Reigns number in their last few matches, and I'm really wondering what that's about. But, you know, they have a chance to sort of correct that this upcoming week. Uh, heading over to our CLC Wolves here who continue um, – let me edit something really quick. Um, so we'll see Wolves who continue to chase a uh, Western Conference playoff spot uh, as they took on the Austin Gilgronis on May 1st, losing that game 6-17. to No player of the game there. Just kind of a frustrating game. I mean, you're playing the best team in the Western Conference, but some turnovers and some missed opportunities really loomed large. Um, you weren't able to get the losing bonus point, which will hurt you in the standings potentially in the long run. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you could have lost one of your final matches. You could have lost one of these, however many matches heading into this awesome game. And you lost to the best team in the Western Conference. So, you know, now I think it really becomes a situation where you need to win out. 
Um, the Seawolves records is at six and six, uh, and they sit at fourth in the Western Conference with 31 points. They're two points behind third place. Looking ahead, they play May 8th back at home, back at Starfire Sports Complex versus the 0-12 Dallas Jackals with a 7 o'clock start. If you lose that game, I really don't know what to tell you. Same thing as when they played Dallas earlier in the season down in Dallas and they beat the team in their inaugural season down in their home. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal. They need to essentially win out, I would think, um, to be able to really even think about a playoff spot. Heading over to Husky News here in a new little segment that we'll be uh, unveiling on the Circling Shell Sports YouTube. Uh, go over and check that out. We'll be doing Woof Wednesdays. It'll be a video version of the UW section. Uh, it's very similar to Circling Shell Sports on Converge, but we'll be uploading that on the Circling Shell Sports YouTube. So go and check that out. Uh, we should be doing our sort of pilot this Wednesday on the 4th. So we head over to UW Football and team-related news. There are some former Huskies that became pro dogs over the draft. Uh, cornerback Trent McDuffie was drafted 21st overall by the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs uh, cornerback Kyler Gordon was drafted 39th overall by the Chicago Bears. Tight end Kate Otten was drafted 106th overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Buccaneers uh, staff member spoke on UW football players saying that UW kids come out of there well-trained. They're good people. They're our kind of people. The good programs continue to put out good players year after year because there's something else that they do and develop the kids there that plays um center luke wattenberg was drafted 171st overall to the denver broncos cornerback brendan ridley hiles signed an undrafted free agent deal with the cincinnati Bengals. defensive lineman ryan bowman had a minicamp invite with the tampa bay buccaneers and punter race porter will take part in the seahawks and i believe colts uh, rookie minicamp as a tryout player that colts part might be uh, incorrect um so uw uh, over the past five seasons or past five years, uh, UW leads the Pac-12 with the most NFL draft picks since 2018 with 23. Um, heading over to general team news on the second, defensive back Jacob Covington entered his name in the transfer portal. Um, heading over to basketball news here, some interesting signings over the past few days Um in both men's and women's basketball. On the 27th, center Frank Kipnang signed with UW. He joins UW by way of the Oregon Ducks, one of five Ducks to play in all 35 games last season, making five starts, averaging 4.7 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 1.2 blocks per game in 14.5 minutes per game this past season. On the second, center Braxton Mia signed with UW, joining UW by way of Fresno State. And I don't have notes on that, but you'll have to go and check that out on Wolf Wednesdays. Um, heading over to women's, uh, the team signed guard slash forward Delea Daniels uh, from Cal. Uh, she was a Pac-12 All-Freshman Honorable Mention in 2021, playing in 21 games, making 12 starts in her sophomore season of 2021 this past season averaging 7.9 points per game while shooting 42.8 percent from the field the team also signed forward emma grathaus uh, joining uw by way of lehigh um okay my laptop is freaking out uh where she spent four years uh playing in 30 games last season averaging 12.6 points per game 9.1 rebounds per game, 1.5 assists, 1 steal, and 1.8 blocks per game while shooting 44.8% uh, from the field. Heading over to baseball here, playing uh, three different opponents, uh, two one-off games in a three-game series, April 26 at Seattle U, losing that one-off game 2-6, to six, player of the game, right fielder Kobe Wallace, uh, going one for three with one RBI April 29th versus number six Stanford the first of a three-game series uh winning that game over number six ranked Stanford four to three player of the game center fielder McCabe Barney going two for five with one run and two RBIs April 30th versus number six Stanford a two to six loss Player of the game shortstop Cam Clayton going two for four with one run and one RBI May 1st versus number six Stanford an 11 to 10 win to Win the series over number six Stanford on a walk off a wild pitch. Player of the game designated hitter AJ Guerrero going three for five with two runs and three RBIs. And then May 2nd at number 12 ranked Gonzaga, a two to five loss. Player of the game pinch hitter Christian Dicochia uh, going one for one with one RBI. So uh, overall, I would say a solid week for UW baseball, considering that you got a serious win over Stanford. 
uh, but also frustrating to lose to Seattle U, you know, um, and Gonzaga, I mean, Gonzaga, you know, tough, tough opponents are, uh, ranked opponents are always tough, uh, but it doesn't necessarily get any easier uh, for you, Dub, as, uh, you know, you know, we look at their record now sitting at 18 and 24, 11th in the Pac-12, and their upcoming schedule is May 6th versus six through 8th versus number 8 UCLA. All of those games are going to be at home. May 6th versus UCLA at 7.05 p.m., May 7th versus UCLA at 2.05, and May 8th versus UCLA at 12.05. Heading over to softball here, um, also played Seattle U, Stanford, and then Utah Valley over the past week. April 26th versus Seattle U, a 6-2 win. Player of the game, shortstop Bailey Klingler going 2-for-3 with two runs and two RBIs. April 29th versus number 21, ranked Stanford, a 5-0 win. Player of the game, number one, right fielder Maddie Husky with two, going 2-for-3 two with two runs and three RBIs. Player of the game, number two, starting pitcher Gabby Plain going seven innings, allowing only four hits, zero runs, zero runs earned, obviously, uh, while striking out seven uh, while facing 26 batters. April 30th versus number 21, Stanford, a 2 nothing win. Player of the game, number one, starting pitcher Kelly Lynch going 4.2 innings, five hits allowed, zero runs, five strikeouts, 19 batters faced. And then player of the game, number two, relief pitcher Pat Moore. Pat coming in for the 2.1 remaining innings, allowing no hits, recording six strikeouts and nine batters faced, earning the save. May 1st versus number 21, Stanford, winning that game 2-1, to one, play of the game, starting pitcher Gabby Plain, uh, going seven innings, allowing only four hits, one run. That one run earned uh, only one walk, nine strikeouts uh, against 27 batters faced. May 2nd versus Utah Valley, a 9-1 to one win in six innings. Player of the game, number one, shortstop Bailey Klingler, going three for four with one run and four RBIs. Player of the game number two, starting pitcher Kelly Lynch, pitching six innings, allowing only one hit, one run, one earned run, two walks, 16 strikeouts, and 23 batters face. UW is currently on an 11-game win streak. As we head over to team-related news, starting pitcher Gabby Plain was named the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Week for the second week in a row, appearing in two games against number 21 Stanford, throwing two complete games, including a shutout, earning wins 15 and 16, Plain did. Through 14 innings, Plain had 16 strikeouts, only one walk, and only giving up one earned run. It is the fourth time this season she has earned the honor of Pitcher of the Week, as well as 11th overall in her career. Her season ERA sits at 1.88. Um, and she has 159 strikeouts on the season. UW sits at 10th ranked in the nation uh, with a 33-11 and 11 overall record, sitting at third in the Pac-12. Their upcoming schedule is May 6th through 8th versus Utah. May 6th at Utah is a 4 o'clock start. May 7th at Utah is a 1 o'clock start. And May 8th at Utah is an 11 a.m. start. That is it for our UW sports and our overall uh, episode of the week with that being said like i said trying to introduce woof wednesday is trying to do a video component for our huskies coverage uh with that being said there's a lot going on so i have to get over to doing some other things uh until i see you next week take care of yourself be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day baba boy